Hello, welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, Tom Jacobs. How are we doing, my friend? I'm good. It was um, an electric Sunday as ever on the DP World Tour. Um, Houghton Lee played like someone that hasn't won in four years, whilst also playing like someone that we know that's beaten Rory McIlroy in the past. So it was kind of like a, a mix of everything in there. Uh, a lot of emotions lit out. I'm sure people have seen the videos and there were some choice words about how he shook hands with Thomas Peters and things like that. But, uh, you know, it was good to see him win. I think he got a, f- a fair few bounces, it must be said. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he he probably deserved it on the, you know, the the effort for the rest of the week. Yeah, uh, there was also a few choice words used in his post-round interview, too. Um, there was. Although Pat and Jeff let him fly. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, hold back my F-bombs here. But uh, golf can be hard. Maybe next time I hit an outright winner, I'm going to celebrate like how Tom. I hope um, you do. I mean, especially yes. if it's Guido. Like, imagine, like, it'll be that, but, like, shirt off and, yes. you know, there, there won't be the respectful caddy in there or anything like that. It would just be, I mean, I'd be the caddy, so that definitely won't be respectful. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we have, um, I mean, yesterday was, you know, that was just the start of a pretty wild Sunday across the golf world. Um, we roll into this week with even more stuff evolving every day. I mean, our conversations about, you know, live and what's going on there and the players who are now committing and playing in there. You know, I, I still don't, we don't have to go back deep down our, our, you know, Euro tour purchase acquisition move that they're in. I go round and round about it all the time on, on what's next. Pelly has not came out with, I guess the, since we did speak, they came out with, about as minimal slap of a wrist as you probably could have um, for that. It's just a one-time hundred thousand dollar fee or fine, right? And that, then they're not allowed to play the co-sanctioned events. Like I don't even yeah. know if they could have played them anyway. So that so that was the thing, right? I, I don't think I think it's been made to look like he's taking a stance, but he's actually just suspended them from the events they're already suspended from because they're PJ tournaments. Yeah. So um, the only thing now that I think can help the PGA tour is if they can get control of the Rolex events, which is something yeah. I think they're trying to do. So if they can get Wentworth and they can get DP World Tour uh, finals, etc., then they will have a complete control over those guys. Um, yeah. That, I think, is the aim, having the conversation I had with with PCU line. And, um, you know, I, I, I think they're just going to let them play. I think they're going to take the win, let the guys play. I mean... It's going to give them some better fields than they've had. I mean, we saw last week how important it is for them to have kind of star players in, in the field. You had Ustazen up there, you had Peters and, and obviously Howard Song in the playoff. Uh, if you start losing those guys, I mean, obviously only one of those is, is live at the moment, but um, I just don't think they can lose out. I and mean, we look at the John Deere Classic field this week and, yeah. you know, Liv picked the right week to go up against it. And and then I think the next one's going up against Rocket Mortgage as well. So um, they have certainly know how to pick this schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I would think even this event for us to me is, is a better field than uh, the John Deere classic. I'm it curious is. strength of field. Yeah. For OWGR, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're just going to keep going round and round and, and getting the Rolex events while also letting them play is kind of putting, you know, a little bit of, you know, toes on each side of the, the water there for, for each side, but we go on as, as we go on and we hit probably man, my favorite three week stretch of, of consecutive events leading in, I guess, include the open championship in that, um, you know, we kick it here to the horizon Irish open, um, you know, and that's, that's really we lead in this Scottish is already next week. And then of course the open championship to follow there, we started to see the trickle effect of some of the, 
PGA Tour fringe guys that are playing this week or, or no real stars outside of Lowry. But um, next week we see some some big heavy hitters. So we are back um, at Mount Julia Estate. So we've only seen this course one time, um, I guess, as of recent, I wasn't sure, but before, but Lucas Herbert um, won cash a ticket last year. Good vibes here, okay. um, Lucas Fine. Herbert. But yeah, that was a, a fun week there. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a strong field, I guess. What are your kind of overall impressions right off the top? Yeah, so I think I, I looked back at the video we did last year and there was a guy that was sort of thanking you for the for the cash and ticket and that was great. Um, I think, first of all, the first thing that stood out to me was a comment that we made last year that there might have been some crossover with uh, Crane Cercier. And, you know, retrospectively looking back at the, the leaderboard, there certainly was. Lucas Herbert won. He finished eighth for Kranz. Um, Carl Berg was second last year. He's finished ninth for Kranz. Richard Bland was fourth last year. He's been fifth at Kranz. Um, Richie Ramsey was fourth last year. He's won at Kranz. Sean Crocker, ninth here, fourth at Kranz. Uh, Beef Johnston, ninth here, third at Kranz. Matthew Jordan, fourth at Kranz last year, 12th here last year. So, there was some decent crossover with that, which I think is one that I've certainly put some stock into. Uh, and also, we sort of mentioned that it probably wouldn't be too dissimilar from Galgorn Castle, which was the 2020 Irish Open venue. Um, and I think, again, there was a crossover there. Like Herbert finished tied seventh and then won here. Um, Aaron Rye was second there, finished 12th here. Uh, Richard Bland was fourth here last year, 14th at Galgorn. Same for um, Rich, uh, Rick Carlberg was 14 for Galgorm. So I think there was there was some decent crossover, which will come into my line of thinking again uh, later on in one of our picks. But it just feels like we've got some pointers, despite the fact there was only one year of course form. Yeah, and, and you'll see fairly evident as I go down my card, but I never will ever say anything is obvious when it comes to, to picking winners. But where we see... And Herbert is the exact mold of some of the guys we'll discuss a little bit later, where he was getting some sponsor exemptions on the PGA tour and without much notice was taking really good advantage of them. Like, I don't think many people will look back on the year and recall that he went back to back top twenties, you know, prior to that the Memorial, which was a difficult golf course of the travelers did that leading into after making a cut in the major for that. And, and, I mean, I believe he was still like 35 to 40 to one, which, you know, that, one, that's yeah. still, yeah, still not like the shortest of odds, but you know, one golfer that comes to mind that we'll, we'll be both on this week kind of really fits that mold in my opinion and uh, excited to go through that. So when we look at the odds board um, top of the way, like we mentioned, Shane Lowry standalone, um, standalone golfer near the top. I mean, I think it's rightfully that we, you know, discuss kind of, Lowry as a whole and where he deserves, but um, single digits for somebody in uh, a DP World Tour event has not been anything we've really discussed actually being on our card. So um, he's, he's just a stay away from me. Um, we'll be interesting to see him kind of carry through these next weeks, but we, we both kind of start our cards a decent bit down the board. Yeah, I mean, you sort of mentioned earlier that he was kind of the standout PJ School player. I suppose you've obviously got Power and Hatton that you could probably put in that bracket as well. Um, power, obviously, only this season's really elevated his game to that level. But like you, I mean, just, you know, you mentioned there that the player that we're going to come to that we sort of agree on uh, fits the mould. But just looking down your card, just, you know, while you were talking there, basically the, the guys you've gone with have been guys that have been pretty consistent on the PJ Tour level. And we're just going to see how they drop down, right? I mean, barring a couple that, you know, one, I'm sure everyone might be able to guess and, and one sort of a recent add to yours. So, 
otherwise, I think you, you've kind of gone with the mould of, of PJ Tour players dropping down. And and I get that because it just worked so well with Lucas Herbert last year. I think it's going to work well in Scotland and it's going to work well in, you know, well, the Open Championship's obviously not a step down, but like it does feel like that's probably the recipe for success. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting is we talk about it reverse all the time. Uh, we talked about what he got last week and, you know, I'll be betting him again. And, and, you know, we don't, we see form on Japanese golf tour. They don't know how to price him in, in theory because he's never really accepted the challenge, finished his 10th, spent a good amount of time on Saturday um, and even early Sunday in the places. Um, and, and, you know, just had an opportunity had he gone really low. Um, I mean, he had some terrible rounds. Like I think his Thursday or Friday was bad. And Saturday was a really good round. Like, you know, shoots better on those couple of days and he's right there in the thick of things. And, and so you get that opportunity. You don't know where to price him, but I, I do think maybe not enough credit is given to the strength of fields on the PGA tour that a lot of these guys played against and to just plop them in the middle of some other DP world tour guys, where if they would have played an entire season on there, you just don't know how much better they, they might be then, especially. Well, I think we saw like Matt Wallace, right? Recently, like as yeah. soon as he came back down to DP World Tour, two, was it back to back top tens or top He's 15s? He's been terrible on the PGA. Awful. Awful. Yeah. yeah. And I like it. One of the people, and, and this is going to just, I'm going to sort of go straight into your pick yeah. and then let you talk about it. But like Aaron Rye is the perfect candidate for that, right? Because yes. he has been really good on the PJ Tour in comparison to what I expected. And he's been doing it at courses I really didn't like. I thought he'd be good at Pebble and I thought he'd be good at Honda and I thought he'd be good at, you know, Travelers and and all these kind of shorter courses where he can kind of just sort of, you know, make some putts and get going. And it's actually been the courses you don't expect, like the Tory Pines of the world, that you really didn't expect him to play well at, that, that he's done well at. So I think coming back to an Irish Open, as we sort of alluded to uh, earlier with the fact that he's been sort of second at Galgorm and 12th here, that it feels like a really good opportunity for someone like him. So I'll let you give the reasoning for Aaron Rye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a simple, uh, again, we talked about last week about like kind of defining guys who have had like better years, even by the numbers in some sense. And, and now we have, you know, a sample size, but I mean, he has missed one cut on the PGA tour since April. And that includes six top 30 finishes. You mentioned that that strong finish. Um, or Sean event that he had uh, at the Farmers Insurance. Just like I think he's had a really strong year on the PGA Tour for a rookie as he is, and I mean, is Power that much better than him? You know, I mean, Power's been really good in the majors. I, you know, it's his, his home open in a sense. Um, has Hatton, you know, played Hatton's year on the PGA Tour hasn't been you know near. I don't think as good as as Aaron Rise. Um, you know, Peter's deserving Lee Price where he is. Fox finds himself in the mix again. But I just, you know, if you truly see saw more of Aaron Ryan, the DP World Tour, like I think he he's just enough of a chance to get to at, at 32 to one. Somebody who who plays some fairways, plays some greens, wears two gloves, um, you know, has just enough upside. A, a, a better guy that wears two gloves than the other one. Yeah. It must be yes. said. <laughs> fair. Fair. It just, I don't know, like this, this recipe feels certainly just the, the one that I just want to continue to rinse and repeat down the board as we go. Cause I think these guys, not only are they priced, I, I don't know if I want to say inefficiently, but maybe not as correct as it could be, but they've also had sneaky good seasons in my opinion on the PGA tour um, as rookies for, for some of them. So I right, Yeah. 32 to one for me, for sure. I think the thing with, so if we directly compare it to Lucas Herbert, right? Like 
Aaron Rye, his form has been sustained for longer than Herbert's was. So he had those good couple of events and then came into this and won and you sort of picked up on that and, and it made sense. Um, he'd already had the one win, I think, Herbert had had at that point. I think he'd won the Dubai Desert Classic before coming in and winning this one. Uh, Aaron Rye's won twice. He's won the Hong Kong Open and he's won the Scottish Open. He's beaten Matthew Fitzpatrick by a stroke and Tommy Fleetwood in the playoffs. So, you know, I think the pedigree is just as much there for Aaron Rye as Lucas Herbert. I think the key, you know, to success for both of them is fairly similar or the pass to success is fairly similar. So I think that they're actually a really good match. And then you add in the fact that Aaron Rye's now got the benefit of playing here last year and playing Gerwald Castle the year before. Like it, it does feel like, I mean, it was him or Ryan Fox, that were the two that kind of really tempted me at the top. And Fox, just when I looked at his kind of uh, record on this golf course and Galcom Castle was really poor. Like I just wondered whether he just needs a real true Irish Open, like a Lynx test to, uh, to succeed. Yeah. But I think he's probably playing well enough to just overcome anything like that before. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Aaron Rye is a really strong candidate. I haven't gone there, but I can see it. Yeah. And, and I think it plays right into our selection together where, you know, comparing and contrasting the seasons that Aaron Rye and Minwoo Lee have had, um, I, it actually surprised me as I looked through it that, you know, Minwoo hasn't played on the DP World Tour since January. No. You know, that's, that's right. I mean, that is like, so, so it's almost like what, I mean, he played, he basically is taking his sponsor's exemptions. He got into the WGC. And what's hysterical is the only two like cuts he's made are the most difficult events of there. And, and truthfully, like he had a, he had a bad Sunday uh, at um, the U S open and he had an amazing front nine Sunday at the masters where like he was front page of the leaderboard in both of them yeah. at, at points, which is crazy to, to put around. You would have thought he would have capitalized at other points in the season and he's just one of those guys that has extreme upside. Obviously, we saw him win a really, really strong event last year. Um, but in addition to that, you know, what, what do you think is the, the case for, for Ben Wu for both of us? I think the thing is, is like, the one thing I would say about Ben Lee versus, you know, the Rye selection before is that, like, he hasn't taken advantage of those PJ Tour events, to your point. Like, he's missing basically every regular cut. And I don't know if that's just, like, a too much of a self-imposed pressure. Like, he realizes he had an opportunity to get a PJ Tour card, He's really tried to take it and, and do it in those regular events. And then when he's got to the major championship and realised that, like, it's going to be really hard for him that week and he just needs to kind of focus and, and build his game around it. Plus the fact, I think, like, the mentoring aspects of some of the Aussies that are in the field with him, maybe play some practice rounds with those guys, especially, like, place like a Masters with Adam Scott and Leishman and Day, etc. So um, I don't know if that even necessarily is the case, but I think that's, the, you know, one thing for it. Um, but it, it feels very much like Matt Wallace. Like that that would be the comparison I would make. Like missing up, missing yeah. up, missing up, missing up, cut, drops down to the DP World Tour and he's going to play well again. Like if you look at his last five starts on this tour, uh, 35th, I think like, was the, the January um, start, and then 16th, 8th, 2nd, 39th, going back, you know, the, the four before that to the tail yeah. end of last year. Um, 17th here last year uh, on this golf course, and he had one bad round and, he had three rounds of 67 or better at Crans last year as well when he was 21st. Um, so I liked both of those things. And I just think, I thought the price was way big enough, really, to find out because we've basically been talking about Min Lee now as, like, I guess Thomas Peters, Ryan Fox, yeah. Jordan Smith level of, of golfer on this tour. Uh, and he's not priced that way. Yeah, I mean, he, th- that's the biggest thing is, without a shadow of a doubt, I feel like if you had him... 
on the, the DP World Tour for every single start that that these other guys had. Like he he in, in my opinion would have just as many opportunities for wins that those guys did. He's just that class of a player. Yeah, um, it's, it's really hard that we just don't know. We don't know whether he would do what Ryan Fox, Victor Perez, Thomas Peters are doing with those starts if he was back. Yeah. Um, we assume he would, which is why we're taking the price. But like, that's the element of unknown, which I actually kind of like. Like the fact that we don't necessarily know whether that's going to be the case. Like, we've seen Robert McIntyre in the same sort of place in the market. We've seen him drop down a couple of times this season and play okay, but not necessarily um, succeed. He's missed his last two cuts in Germany. Like, it, it feels like we've now got a chance to see whether Mimu Lee can do it. If he starts missing cuts on, on these events as well, then you kind of just dismiss him and move on and just say he's out of form. But until we know that, um, I think we should play him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the, the price is, you know, well worth the squeeze, in, in my opinion there. Um, before we keep going down the board, want to make sure we always plug our, our audio formats for us. Um, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix, on all your different audio platforms. Um, you know, if you're more of a listener on your commute, um, you want to make sure you get in all the action, especially as we, we gear up um, on this stretch here. Rate, review, subscribe goes a long way to keep this going, keep our efforts here rewarded. Really enjoy, of course, our show here. And as more eyeballs get on this tour, um, it'll definitely be exciting um, as we continue on. And, and we're going to probably see the integration more, well, not probably, we potentially are going to see the integration more of some of these type of guys that are, you know, um, on live that, that are going to come down here and play in some of these events. And again, as we get price discovery, that, that pr- provides opportunity for us. And, and a golfer that I've really kept my eye on all season long, because uh, I mean, Minwoo Lee's had a really weird year. Um, I would say in the sense of the upside he possesses and, and rise had a really consistent year. I don't think the year that Kurt Kitayama has had has been correctly. That's just, just, like noticed, I guess, in my sense, like statistically he pops often, not, not consistently, but he, he shows in, in certain tracks or, or certain skills that, you know, he can, he can really still drive it with the best of them. He's one of the better drivers there on tour. Um, he, he's gone out with some really lights out irons at times. Um, and I mean, a third at a, at a Honda classic, a second at the Mexico open, you know, 15th at Wells Fargo, like he, he's shown, a lot. I actually had, had really high hopes for him at the U S open. Um, I thought he had a shot at that style of course. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think, you know, this is the perfect course in the sense, but what Kitayama in the numbers that I've, I've really looked at possesses is like high. If you look at like single strokes gain statistics, like by shot, he, he offers really high upside, like of, of taking advantage of things like 90 percentile shots or better. And when you have that type of guy, actually, Lucas Herbert is another guy that is very similar. Some might refer to it as like, you know, magic beans type of thing. But like when you show it over a consistent amount of time, like that's just maybe part of, you know, your arsenal game. And, and Kitayama does have some of that upside from, from different parts of his game. So I think 75s, 80s that are out there for him, he, he just, when I put him up against some of these other guys, I just, I struggle to not, to not think like, I mean, he's on the VJ tour for a reason, you know, to, yeah. to get him down in this range just, just feels like I, I have to take that opportunity too. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because with Kitty Armour, it's again, I think you kind of made a point well, like he's not been consistent on either tour. So you can't even really gauge much from like, if he drops down in level, he's going to be really successful. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily feel massively confident in that statement as much as I would like Aaron Rye or something like that. But like, 
he just seems to be able to do it anywhere. Like he just seems to be able to get in the mix. He's got a game that, that kind of suits both. I mean, last year we kind of mentioned the Qatar Masters as a potential link. I don't know if that necessarily played out as much as we thought it would do, but he was ninth in that. Um, and you look at the fact that Lucas Herbert's other win was the Dubai Desert Classic, and he's got a sixth and a twentieth place finish on on that event as well, which is a you know generally a pretty strong field. And you start to think that he's probably uh, good for this level. So. Um, I don't know about Kitsuyama. Again, I think it, that's more unknown than even I thought about. I just, I just think that maybe it's come to a, an abrupt end, that kind of form that he had. But it's tough. I mean, I think he's worth giving a go at the price uh, in this field and then figuring out what he does before he goes back to the PJ Tour. Yeah. Yeah, it's just – and it feels – I'll just lay out my last pick too in the same mold. These last two are definitely like not – as stomaching as Min Woo and Aaron Rai are, but you know, Kitayama looking into that. And then the only other one is like Aaron Rai, or I mean, Troy Merritt. When you look at like who's playing here and who is, you know, four X surprise, they just, Data Golf, I respect Data Golf a lot, kind of looking at their numbers. And he was like a clear outlier from, from where they produced their odds versus where. So, I mean, they have him close to, by their numbers, close to 40 to one, you know, where, where, uh, again, I'm not running the same type of crossover odds, you know, making as, as some of the best in the game do. I think that's incredibly valuable to do it and to make consistent selections off of edges. Um, and just, just noticing this one and continuing to bet the other route, I would kick myself not to, to add merit, even though like his, his year um, you know, just hasn't been good, really, you know, I, almost all. And it, it felt like he was going to have a really good season at the start, right? Like he, yeah, he started off well at the Mayakoba, the RSM, Pebble. He had a really good chance to win Texas yeah. Heritage. Like it almost looked like Troy Merritt was going to get that kind of, you know, it's not a breakthrough because he's obviously won the the Quicken Loans in 2015, but like, and the Barbasaur actually, but like it, it, it felt like one where he was going to make a step up, like winning a Pebble Beach or winning a Heritage, kind of feels like a bit yeah. bigger Texas Open, you know, so. I can see it, and like when you go back to last year as well, he, did he? Was it? I thought it was a Scottish Open, but I think it's Dunhill Links that he played in and played pretty well in as well. So it just shows that like when they do come over, they they tend to play pretty well. Yeah, twenty seventh at Dunhill uh, last year, he he did three events in, in nineteen, made the cut in every one of them, um, uh, and they played the Aussie Open um, in nineteen as well, and, and popped up. I don't know, like it almost feels when we had, I guess when we had the Saudi International. Um, and, and some of those guys were, I mean, the field strength was definitely level up, but like we took shots on Justin Rhodes. We took shots on, on Kevin. Nah, I feel like every time Johnny Vegas shows up in these events, okay. like Johnny Vegas is up on the, the front page of a leaderboard, you know, it, it, I mean, if you're running these guys head to head, are you just not thinking that, you know, Troy Merritt is, isn't better than, than some of these other guys that are, are, are priced around him? Right. One of those like, cuts he made in 2019 was uh, Kranz. He started okay. with a 67 and, and closed with a 66. So, you know, yeah. if there is, I'm, I'm not even going to say if there is a link to Kranz, like the, the leaderboard was so obviously Kranz affected last year that I think that's a, a pretty strong uh, comparison. You know, whether these things ever play out, like a lot of people just point to the fact that they were the strongest players in the field and et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think there's a real thing. So um, I think that's a, a you know, an added bonus. Yeah, and it's I guess it's it's very difficult to see if this plays out on a two-week sample size. Like that's yeah. what we're gonna have. Realist, we're gonna have this week 
and then next week of, of having this mix of guys. And you can't judge whether or not it was the, the best selections to go by just because we might get two random events. But I think under I think also next week guys, is tough because it's like split, right? So like good. Yeah. Yeah. There's too many almost. Yeah. It's like, how often are you get some of these guys at these prices? And I think that's that just kind of wraps up my little mold of, of some of those selections. Um, but you have one one of our old faithfuls, or I guess old faithful by saying that you know you have somebody who has been on the DP World Tour an extended period, more than an extended period of time. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's right old. <laughs> yeah, Richie Ramsey. Phillips yeah, yeah. old in, in faithful there. But um, he was fourth here last year. He shot 70 or better in every round. He's won Crans, which is obviously a bit of a boost. He's got four top tens in the Irish Open. And, you know, again, most of those are kind of linked tests. But the fact that he's finished fourth here last year uh, is great. And he was 26th last week with his irons and he was 13th um, in Germany to, you know, to finish up the week, which was a pretty decent performance coming off a a withdraw at the European Open, which I still don't know. Apparently, there was a little bit of back injuries, but I think that was kind of that wacky course that kind of, you know, pissed everybody off, basically. But, you know, he was third at the British Masters. One shot kind of cost him a chance to win there. 15th at the Sadao Open. Now finished 13th last week. Now comes to a test that we know is going to suit by, you know, the fact that he played well here last year with a fourth. He plays well in Britain generally. And, um, you know, just, you know, that crown thing, I, I do really like it. So I've, I was going to pick Ramsey before the crown thing sort of popped up and, and I'd done that kind of research. But, you know, it, he it just seems a good price, like 66 to 1 or, you know, around that price for for someone that we know can win, someone that needs to probably get one more before. So I think he's a guy that's probably content with what he's done in his career, but if he gets one more, he'll be, he'll be you know, really happy with what he's done, and especially in this new age. So I liked Richie Ramsey. And the other guy that I, I can't, make my mind up and and one I was going to talk through with you was uh, Romain Langasque like he's got back-to-back top six finishes three top eights in his last five starts seven top tens in total in 2022 like finished seventh at Crowns in 2016 he's won in the UK he won at the Wells Open in 2020 third in Scotland in 2019 sixth in the field in strokes game tees green the last 15 weeks third in back-to-back starts in that department second and third in approach but it still feels like there's stuff that I need to be convinced by. And that's not good for someone that has all of that going for him. And I'm still not sure. He's one I can never put my finger on. Like, I know he's one of Ben's, you know, favorite selections. Yeah. Week in and week out. Um, I know what our friend Jamie, um, he, Jamie, who had an outstanding week last week was on, was on Lane yeah. um, too. Um, and yeah, I just, I never seem to find myself on him. He often is much shorter, I guess, than than kind of where. Yeah, it is. just this felt like the one week where his price was relative to kind of what I wanted. Like he's normally kind of in that twenty eight first three to one yeah. bracket where I, I just don't have an interest, like whether I should or not. And all of a sudden, he's kind of pricier. I think it kind of strengthens the case for him. We were a little bit whilst also yeah. kind of respecting what he does. I just. In the end, it's kind of like he's played poorly in Ireland so far, and and that might be enough to put me off by the fact that he probably doesn't win anyway. But like, I think he can probably like in terms of DraftKings and stuff like that. If, if that gets put on there, that I think he would be a solid add to a team like that. Yeah, yep, yeah. uh, I think that's very fair. Um, I have one more sub hundred to one. You got two left, correct? Deep. You got the two triple digit guys for us. Yeah. Okay, so I think. If, if you look at one of the other ways that we have seen success and in, in some theories, I guess, is, 
especially they've carried over on, on some of these early DP, DP World Tour events um, post-majors is picking up guys that, that did play well and show out. And I think there's a few of them that we've, we've gotten. Obviously, you get Peters losing in the playoff, you know, after having the best um, week of anybody, probably, right, on the DP World Tour um, at the U.S. Open, coming out well. I mean, Ryan Fox almost won, should have won. I mean, that, that still makes me mad up. Um, should have won for us, um, you know, right after a strong major. Arnas, you know, mix right in the mix after, you know, a, a major championship doing well. I thought Will Bestling still, you know, top 25s. We get Sebastian Soderberg coming out after uh, a pretty sneaky, um, again, not all telling where the final number really ended up being, but, you know, he had a strong, you know, uh, U.S. Open as well. But, you know, no one, no one had a U.S. Open like Guido Migliazzi. I mean, Sunday 66 out there, fist pumping. I mean, making, he, he might just be everything that he was from a ball striking standpoint in, you know, the, the glory years of 18, 19. He just have converted everything to short game because he's just a wizard now. You talk about magic beans, Guido's just making putts from deep, chipping in left and right. Guy's got a short game. And and finally, you know, that, that long game popped in. And why? Like, why does that show up? in a major championship. I mean, Tom, he's been positive with his irons one time and he missed a cut that week. One time all season long, literally the last time he was positive with his irons and made a cut was the Italian open in 2021, September of 2021. He topped 10, you know, the Dutch open. We saw some life there again, led by the putter. My goodness. He's out there at the U S open, just firing at pins with the best of them. And they're going to give them to us at good odds. Here we are, Tom. You know, we're back in Guido Migliazzi again, and I feel great about this one. 80 to 1, they're pulling out there. I, I feel really good about this one. I mean, I'm glad you feel good about it. I um, It's one of those ones where I don't feel like I need to reinforce your case because people know you're going to make your case for you. But, um, yeah, like, it, it's it's good, right? Like, it's good to see some life from him. If you, if you look at it just from a, a you know, a, a micro standpoint, he's got a 14th and a 10 in his last three starts. Like, that's a pretty good just kind of form line anyway for basically anyone. Um British Masters is probably a nice thing to add in there. He's got a he's got a second in that. Um seventh at Cran yeah in 2021. That's you know that's a positive. I'm, I'm giving them to you here. We so which is um yeah I mean it's good. I, I think isn't it always the way though that like okay now he's got a great short game his long game deserts him. Like isn't it like it's just the same with everyone. Like you, you just hear like Will Zalasaurus like needs to have a putting week to win. He has like positive putting weeks at the major championships and then his ball striking yeah. deserts him at the worst time. Like it's, it, it just feels like you can never kind of get that complete game. So yeah, not sure. I, I just, I mean, again, one round samples, best of the world. I mean, here you are, you know, showing out on Sunday, best rounds of the day, Hideki, Morikawa, Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Daddy McCarthy, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, Xander, you know, and Guido. When Guido had the second best round of the day, second best round of the entire tournament, you know? Um, like that's a, a lot a lot in there and, and it feels like you're taking worth... it's taking a lot into like you just you going off about it. It just feels like it's yeah, taking a lot out just, of you. Like you're just it, excited, it, right? Like Yeah, it feels it feels good to be back. But but it's know? like a it's almost like a child on candy with a sugar crash. Like you yeah. you look like that, you're like, Whoa. 
but yeah. you know, what a what a time to be alive. Like that's what it feels like right now through through the lens of of Zoom. Um, yeah, I mean, it just if it, anybody anybody in the world would be betting this guy, I feel like, and the fact that it gets to be Guido Migliazzi, like it it's everything you could literally dream of. So I, I'm super prepared to wake up to that, you know, first round when he shot a hundred on the on the one after he finished tenth. <laughs> So um, let's let's get back to our our weekly schedule. Pain <laughs> it is pain. Yeah, one guy you mentioned there actually was Will Besseling, and he's another guy that like before like I made my sort of card. He was along with Lane Gask, like a little bit just unsure of whether I can go there. But like he was seventeenth here last year, thirteenth at Crans, where he had three really good rounds. He finished like 66, 68, 67 after opening with seventy one. He only finished two shots outside the top four. Like. And now he's just playing really solidly. Like to your point, he played well at the, the US Open. Um, he, he's played well since. Like it just, it feels like he's on a, I don't want to say a different trajectory than, than what we expected because I think the, the game was always there. But like, it feels like he's he's found some solid form and, you know, second at the Porsche European Open, 50th US Open, 26th at the International Open, 23rd at Sedal, 9th at Catalonia. Like it feels like he's putting together a really solid bank of form. So, both Will Bessling and Romain Lingas were both kind of in my thoughts and, and not really quite sure where to go with them. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I think I could have bet a good amount more than, you know, I, I try to always six, seven, kind of be my number, depending on where you end up, unless you're too top heavy. But yeah, I think even when I looked at some of the, the shorter sample guys, it was really good to see Sean Crocker um, have, you know, his kind of coming back and also, um, you know, Crocker and then, uh, Niall Kearney. Kearney was another one where you kind of see some of these short, short, um, I guess, sample sizes, but they also like pop multiple times. Like Crocker's popped a couple times in a few weeks. You know, we have Kearney showing up there and obviously going back into a whole open. I think he's intriguing. Um, and, and like I mentioned earlier, circling back one last selection for me uh, before we get to your two, two long shows. Of course, we had Guido, um, but Higa and he was still hundred to one state side. I think he got chopped pretty decent early on. There were some good numbers. He's all the way down to 65 to one in some spots. There was triple digits um, as we recording here, but um, I, I think he's worth chancing kind of still in that range is he was really, really good with the short game. Um, I think Thursday, Friday, he lit up his putter, but Saturday he led the field in approach. Again, we have, we have nothing, you know, from a stroke scan standpoint on this guy. So still a, a mixed bag and understanding what it is, but leading the field Saturday, having that incredible round and earning a spot into this next week via the top 10 finish and still getting odds that we do here. I'm going to continue to, to roll that dice back at him at, a, at an equal number. Yeah, I think like you just got to apply the same logics last week, right? Like we, we thought about it being the unknown and we sort of said, you know, we don't know quite how he's going to react to the step up, but you know, he led the field in approach on Saturday, like gained almost 4.3 strokes in approach. Um, he was pretty disappointed with his irons other than that, but like, I don't know, like it's, it's tough, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's really, really tough. Um, Niall Kearney and Sean Crocker led those approach numbers. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It was a weird, uh, I don't want to stop you, but it was a super weird week. In, in regard to the statistics, I, I haven't had a chance to like really yeah. go back through and see, but if you looked like in the guys who finished inside the top 10, like the best iron player was ranked seventh for the week. And that was Louie who, you know, who finished in a tie for eighth, I believe like nobody that was in contention, like was leading approach numbers. And that is just not how the standard golf week kind of, kind of goes. And obviously you saw guys 
who were really, really good with their driver in, in Hao Tong and Peters and Fox for the top three. It was great to see Sandy Valamaki doing it with a short game that you, you kind of see. But um, it was kind of a weird week in regards to how the, the stats roll because a lot of these guys who were dialed in from ball striking weren't necessarily the, the top of the guys. But um, let's go into your final two selections here. You got, you got a couple to round us out here deep down the board. Yeah, so one that I thought was worth it again, a bit like uh, the best in the lane gas thing. I don't want to go too far into it, but Van Drill's got back-to-back top 10 yes. finishes in the last year. Like, I thought that was of note. Um, but the two guys I've gone for, one that I wasn't going to go for, and, and uh, Baroff will, will, will like this one, is uh, Maximilian Kiefer. Uh, he's been fifth and eighth in previous Irish Opens. And again, they're more links tests than they are what he did, you know, what you're going to get this year. But, like, he was 39th here last year. Had a bad Saturday and, you know, that, that kind of just plays into things. But he's top 16 in tee to green in this field over the last 15 weeks. He's top five in approach in the same span. Um, he's been 14th miscut, 6th, 26th in his last four starts. Uh, and then he opened Crans with a 64 to lead in 2018 and was also 13th there in 2013. So just adding kind of that Crans link in, just adding the fact that he's kind of playing some of the better golf um, of his I don't want to say season, but like, yeah, obviously season, but like not his career, but like it, it feels like he's playing some really consistent golf, which I like to see. Um, and like the one miscut was a Porsche European Open. Is that kind of, you know, a bit of distraction from the fact that he was in his home country, then backs out of a 26th um, in Germany as well. So I think Kiefer's worth a play. And then the one that I really like is is Dan Heising. Um, have really good odds. Like, he was 14th for Galgorn, which, you know, we've kind of pointed out could be, you know, potentially a little bit of a crossover. He's won the Irish Challenge and the Northern Ireland Open on the Challenge Tour. Um, he's got another third at the Northern Ireland Open. And that 10th place finish at the European Open three starts ago, only top 10 he's ever had on tour. And, like, that could be seen as a negative, but it could also be seen as a fact that he's actually finding some belief. And that kind of crept in last week. He was second after round one. I think he shot 63 to House on 62. Um, and he was third at the you know the halfway mark. So yes, he kind of faded away, and you know you could possibly see that happening again. But like all these kind of experiences lead you to believe that he can kind of add to that. And you know what does he learn from fading away on DP World Tour when he ne- doesn't necessarily do so on the Challenge Tour? So I think Dan Heising is you know a guy that I think everyone's kind of been waiting for the chips to fall a little bit. Like he's been around for a long time. This is not a new guy on the block, right? He's been in for you know, 2013, 2012 on the Challenge Tour, et cetera. But, you know, it feels like some people just take longer than others to to really kick off their the DP World Tour level. And I'm willing to give them a chance to do it this season. Yeah, one that's been kind of on that fringe watch list for a few weeks now after you kind of had that, that pop up. And if you get some of those correlations that kind of roll into there and the odds that you do, definitely worth worth chancing. But yeah, big week ahead. Um, you know, excited to, to kind of get a, a stronger event and lead into next week. Want to say, well, you'll hear an update from us in regards to, to scheduling for next week, holiday on, on Monday here in the States. Um, I guess technically many have, have Tuesday off too. So we're going to hopefully get something kind of unique up for um, the, the biggest event um, in, in the, the world next week that we get to kind of preview from our end and showcase maybe some of our, our values and different guys, but one most are familiar um, with the PGA Tour players. So um, that'll round out everything. Can you review your card for me one time here, Tom? Yeah, so it's Minwoo Lee for me. I think it's about 40 to 1, 45 to 1. Uh, Richie Ramsey, 65 to 1. Uh, Maximilian Kiefer, 120 to 1. And Dan Heising, he's 250 to 1 over here, but I think it's about 160 to 1 with you guys. 
Um, and then just just if you're going to sort of look at DraftKings or you want an extra play, like Langas, Besseling, and Van Drill were all kind of close to my thoughts. Yep, yep, absolutely. So for me, Aaron Rye is 32 to 1. Min Ruli with you there, 40 to 1. Kurt Kitayama, 75 to 1. Guido Migliazzi, gosh, feels good. 80 it feels to 1. good to play that again. Yes, Troy Merritt, 80 to 1. And then Kazuki Higa at 100 to 1. Again, make sure you price shop for Higa. He, he's been really all over the odds. Like I mentioned last week, he started as long as 301, got all the way down to 45 to 1 and kind of fell in the middle. Maybe we'll kind of see that, that range fall back into place if he got some early action. But that kind of rolls us up for us here. Uh, big week ahead. Best of luck, everybody. And let's cash some tickets.